um, in the Torah T, we'll discuss today's portion, which is the portion of Shalach. And, um, you know, the story is very familiar, but let's see if we can learn a lesson from it and uh, see a little bit of the Rebbe's commentary on it, okay? So, so let's read a little bit from the Parsha, okay? Let's do the Parsha a little bit inside. I'm just going to read the story just to refresh her. Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe Lamer, God says to Moshe, saying, Shlach lecha anashim, go send men. The Yasuru es Eretz Kenan, let them scout the land of Kenan. Asher aninoisen livnei Yisrael, that which I'm giving to the Bnei Yisrael. And Hashem tells him, Ish echod, ish echod one man per tribe. Okay. The Torah tells us all the names of these uh, leaders of the tribes. And further in verse Yudzayin 17, it says, Vayishlach osa Moshe losuras eretz kenan. So Moshe sends them to scout the land of Canaan. And Vayoimer alehem, he says to them, Aluzeb banegev, go from the south, Valisem esahor, go up the mountain. He's telling them how to go. All right. Now, what is his instruction to them? He says, Uriisem esahoretz mahi, see the land. What is she? What is the land? Also, veeshaom ayoshevaleho. And also the people that are inhabiting the land, that are sitting there. What is the question? who? Are they strong? Are they mighty? Harofe, or they're weak. Hama'athu, are they few in numbers? Imrov, or they're many. Okay, so asking them to find out all these details. Now, further he asks them, what is the land that he's sitting in? Is it a good land? Is it a bad land? What kind of cities are there? That it sits there. Are they open? No walls? Or they're fortified? Meaning, if it's open, means they're not scared of anybody. They can fight. If they're fortified, means they're scared. Then he asked them, what kind of a land is it? Is it a fat land? Is it a, uh, a lean land? Are the trees there? And he told them, and go and bring from the fruit of the land. Okay, this is their mission. Okay, this is in Risha. Now, they go. They go up and they scout it. And then it says they came to Nachal Eshkol, they caught, caught a, they cut off a, um, a bunch of grapes over there, uh, a whole cluster, and They come back, they scouted the land 40 days. They come back to Moshe and Aaron, to the whole community, and they give back, they respond and they show them the fruit of the land. Okay. And they related to him, they say, we came to the land that you sent us. It flows milk and honey, and this is the fruit. However, 28, this is what it says. However, the people that sit in the land are powerful, they're mighty. The Ha'orim Bitsuris and the cities are fortified. They're very large. In addition, we also saw the children of the giants over there. Tells them Amolik says. So basically, they came back with a report. So and Kalev makes them quiet. And what did the people say, the spies? Amru, loy, nuchal, 
lalis el ha'om. We will not able to go up to the people. And he says, ki chazok humimenu, for they are stronger than us. We can't go there. So, Kolev says, no, we can go, and we will able to do it. And they say, the people, the Meraglim, they say, lo nucha lalis el ha'om. We cannot go up to the people. They're too strong. Ki chazok humimenu, for they are stronger than us. So, let's turn for a second. Uh, are you able to see my sheet over here now that I turned to, or are you still the old one? Are you able to see? It says, Asher, Alu, Imu, Imru. No, Uri you didn't see the same. What was the sin of the spies? Are you able to see that? I'll change the share now, so hold on one second. I'll share with you something else. Um... Are you able to see the, the board? Yes. Okay. So, the real, the question, the first question we have is, really, what was the sin of the spies? What did the spies do wrong? That's the uh, question that we're going to uh, address. Let's look again of what we already said before. Let's look on the... Um, trying to find there's something. Give me a second here. Okay, where is this here? Was it God who told them to go? Was God telling Moses to have the scouts go? Okay, so we're going to see that actually, as you see in the first words that we were reading before, I'm not sure what you're seeing now or not. Uh... Yudchei or Okay. Okay. Are you able to see now the chumash that we did before now? So I'm not sure how to work this um, this this share space piece over here, but he says to them, "Shlach lecha anashim, sent for you," which means basically Hashem told him, uh, "I'm not telling you to send them. If you wish, you go ahead and send them." But let's look. So. God gave them, gave them, allowed them. We'll talk a little bit about it in a few minutes. That's a, that's a another point over here. Why Hashem did not tell them specifically? He only allowed them to go. So the question is, what was the sin of the spies? Let's look in the verse again. This is in verse eighteen. What does Moshe Rabbeinu tell them? He says, "Uri isem es mahi." Look, what kind of a land? and the people that sit on the land. And he asked them a very specific question. Is he mighty? Is he weak? Is he few? Is he many? He also asked them in verse 19, what kind of a land is it? Is it a good land? Is it a bad land? What kind of a city? Is it, what kind of cities? Is it fortified? Is it open? So now they're coming back. This is their response in verse 28. The people that sit there is powerful. And those cities are fortified very much. We also saw the children of the giant. This was all true. This was all the mission that they were sent. That they were sent to do. They were sent to be to find out what is the status. What is it like? They were sent to find out, and they came back and they gave back the truth. They said the truth. So why is it held against them? What did they do wrong when they came back and gave back the report they were asked to? No, you read the portion of Shalach. Uh, you know, this is a story that happened a long time ago. Why are we reading that story now? What's important about that story that we're reading it now? And the reason that... it happened a long time ago? It happened when the Jews were leaving the desert. And at that point, he sent um, scouts to go check Egypt. 
what, what is there for us when we read the Parsha today? We have to have a lesson. We have to make it relevant to us in our lives to learn something from it. We have to get the message from this portion. If just reading a story, a nice history, what took place a long time ago, uh, without uh, learning something in our lives that means to us, I mean, why would the Torah write and make us read all this and, and tell us all about it? Something that we have to learn from what took place of the spies. And this is the important question to understand what is it that the spies, where did they go wrong? What is the mistake that they made? Now, now the one verse I'm not bringing down that I quoted earlier, on top of saying all these reports, they said one more thing. They said, the people are strong, we will not be able to conquer them. So in other words, they also came back with a conclusion. They were sent to find out, and they came back with a conclusion. What did they conclude? They concluded we can't do it, right? Now, why did Hashem agree? What is the purpose of sending these scouts to the land to find out? We know that Hashem does not make miracles in vain. Hashem doesn't make miracles in vain, which means like this. If things can be done in a natural way, then they're done in a natural way. A miracle is only used when there's no choice. When you have no other means to accomplish something, then we also go by miracles. The Jewish people are supposed to go into the land of Israel. Now, the, fig- the question is, what is the easiest way to go into Israel? What would be the easiest way to conquer? What would be the best options? And that's why these spies were sent. They weren't sent to find out whether we can conquer Israel. It wasn't their mission to make recommendations. They, weren't, they were only sent to figure out, since Hashem does not make miracles, what would be the easiest way to go? However, the problem with the spies were that they came up with conclusions. And they said, no, we're not going to be able to do so. They said that the situation is such that the people are too powerful, they're too many, they're giants over there, we're not going to be able to conquer them. That was the mistake. So, what is the message for us? Uh... A fundamental principle in all the mitzvahs of Hashem is that Hashem does not demand from us what we cannot do. Which means that we see over here a lot of times people have fears or they built either in their mind or they really believe that there is obstacles that are standing in their way and they're not be able to carry through their service to Hashem to do what they need to do because they don't think that they're able to do so. So, if Hashem expects from us something, that means that we have the ability to do it. It would be unreasonable for a even a human being to expect from another human being something that they can't do. Why would they expect that? You know, you're not going to expect your two-year-old uh, to figure out a a math uh, problem. You can't. You don't. You don't expect that. Why? Because it's not in there abilities. So you don't expect people to perform or to do. Even human beings don't expect from other human beings uh, results that those people cannot provide them with. So, in this case, if Hashem asks us and says, oh, you can do this mitzvah, you will have the ability to 
keep Shabbos, say, for example. Some people will say, it's impossible for me to keep Shabbos. I can't do it. But there's no such a thing as impossible because if Hashem says and expects it from you, then it means that He has given you the koach, He's given you the energy, He's given you the strength, He's given you the possibility to do so. Now, especially when it comes to Hashem, Hashem is not just because Hashem knows everything, but especially uh, a person who creates a machine would not expect the machine to do more than they put into the machine uh, that it can do. So you're not going to uh, expect uh, your washing machine to mow your lawn. No, that's not what it's meant for, right? Because the person who invented or built that washing machine, built it for a very specific thing, cannot expect it to do something else. So Hashem is the one that created us all so he knows best what we are able to do, what we can accomplish. So the message from the Parsha, from the Shlach Lecha, is that, no, you can do it. The Meraglim, the spies, they thought, and they calculated, and they used their brains, so to speak, and they said, you know, and they were leaders, they were important people, they said, no, we can't do it, because the people there are too strong, too powerful, we can't do it. However, we see that that is not true. Hashem says, you could do it. You could do it. If Hashem says, Hashem only wants us, what we do learn is, we need to figure out the natural ways to succeed in our service of Hashem. Yes. We're not going to say, just go and make no, uh, don't figure out or make no allowances of how and what and how is best to do so. So prepare yourself properly, uh, get yourself ready. Yes, we need to figure out the natural ways. That's why we're sending the spies. Otherwise, Moshe Rabbeinu say, Hashem said you'll go to Israel They'll go and forget about it. Why do we need to send spies for it? No. He sent the spies to tell you that you got to try in a natural way. But yet, it's not a question that you will be successful. The, the issue of sending the spies to figure out is just a way to make it easier for yourself. So, how am I able to keep Shabbos? How could I do the mitzvah? Yes, you have to sit and figure out and make it easiest for you the observance of the mitzvah of Hashem. But, you never have a question, am I really able to do it? Yes, you have the ability to do so. And that is what Shlach tells us, that on one hand, you can't make a conclusion, I can't do so. But you are supposed to try and help yourself and make it natural ways. How is the easiest way for me to go ahead and do the mitzvah. And this is something which is fundamental for all the mitzvahs. And uh, this is what's done about going into Eretz Yisrael. Because technically, what is Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael is a land like any other land, but yet it has Hashem's presence. It has the eyes of Hashem, it says, God's eyes and God's holiness, the Kedusha, the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael, of Israel, is more present. It's more felt. It's more emphasized, more than any other place in the world. So that means that Eretz Yisrael is a holy, the land of Israel is Eretz HaKodesh. It's a holy land. It has special sanctity. And the same, same idea is every mitzvah. Every mitzvah that we do, so when you use physical matters to do a mitzvah, so you're taking a, a regular etrog, which is just a citrus fruit, and you're making it into a mitzvah, so you're making it holy, you're making it godly, you're making it into Eretz Yisrael. 
every time you utilize something which is mundane and you do a mitzvah with this, that is like going into Israel, bringing in Eretz Yisrael. So that's the other idea over here. Going in and doing a mitzvah is going into Eretz Yisrael. And what happens before the Jews go to Eretz Yisrael? It says they had to inspect, they had to scout, they send the spies. Basically, when we do a mitzvah, we also need to stop before we do the mitzvah and have an appreciation. We have to scout, we have to appreciate, and we have to say, hey, this is a privilege, this is a special gift from Hashem that we are able to study Torah, that we're able to do the mitzvah, and we should feel that way, because, you know, before you study the Torah, you say the blessing, Asher bachar banu mikol ha'amin, you have chosen us from all the nations, v'nasan lanu has Torah so, you gave us his Torah, Hashem gave us his Torah, and before you do a mitzvah, you always say, Baruch atu Hashem, alekeinu melech olam, Asher kidishanu b'mitzvosav. You sanctified us with your mitzvah. Forget about this special particular mitzvah, whether you're lighting the Shabbos candle, whether you're uh, going into the sukkah, or whatever mitzvah you do, or listening to the shofar. You always say, Baruch atu Hashem, blessed are you God, elekeinu melech olam, our God, King of the world, Asher kidishanu b'mitzvotav. You have sanctified us with your mitzvah. That means that we should stop and, and, and sort of spy, reflect on what we're going to do. We're going to be entering into Eretz Yisrael, which means every mitzvah brings us holiness into our physical life, into our worldly. We stop what we're doing and we're bringing in some holiness. Stop and reflect. V'yosuru. Stop and you reflect. Make the bracha. And look at the special privilege we have to perform the mitzvah. Now this is important for all mitzvahs when we do, is to beforehand go ahead and think about the special opportunity that we have to go and do a mitzvah. So, as Janice mentioned earlier, so if it's so important that we're saying now, so why did Hashem leave this up to Moshe Rabbeinu? So then, Hashem should have told us, not that you decide to reflect and the privilege, but let Hashem tell us, command us, go ahead, before you do a mitzvah, before you're entering Eretz Yisrael, before you go into Israel, go ahead, realize, appreciate. So, the answer is, the Rebbe gives, is Hashem wants things to come from us. When somebody is told all the time, do something, so in essence, they themselves are not fully engaged in it, and it's not that they have changed around. If you got to tell your spouse every single time, I told you when the garbage is full, take it outside, you have to tell them every time, uh, so they didn't get it yet. They don't know that it's, they have some responsibility to just do it. Only when they get it, that it comes from them, they know that the trash is full, they go themselves, you don't have to tell them anymore. They know what they need to do on their own. That means that they really transform their attitude and their respect or their menschlichkeit uh, uh, to go ahead and do what they need to do without having to be told. In a way, Hashem wants us to own it. This idea of doing what you need to do, instead of telling us everything to do, Hashem wants us to own it on our own so that we make that decision that we're going to do that. And that's why it's said in a way of Shlach Lecha. 
And then we read further, so what happens after this whole incident? What happens? So, okay, the Jewish people were punished. They had to spend 40 years in the desert. Each day that it took them to spy, that they were going and spying, for each day they had to spend another a year in the desert. After 40 years, they entered into Eretz Yisrael. So the question is really, and what happened, one second, what happened to the spies themselves? So we read in the Pasuk that they ended up dying. We'll see in a minute. So while Moshe Rabbeinu was able to have Hashem forgive the people, they didn't die. They spent 40 years. Nobody died under the age of 60. And they spent 40 years in the desert. But despised themselves, they died immediately. So we find in the Pasuk, Moshe was able to have Hashem forgive the people. Look what it says. Pasuk Yud Aleph. Ayomer Hashem el Moshe. Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, How much longer will these people Get me angry. How long will they not believe me? After all these signs, all the miracles, all the signs that I have done amongst them. Shem says, I will smite them with a, with a plague and I will chase them away. I'll make you into a great and powerful nation, Hashem says to Moshe. Moshe plus starts to pray to Hashem. Vayomer Moshe al Hashem, and Moshe says to Hashem, "V'shamu Mitzrayim, the Egyptians will heard keeliso bekoichach ha'asomazem ikirboi that you have taken this people out uh, from the Egyptians, so they'll hear about it, and then they will go on and say that you don't, you're gonna kill them all in the desert." They're saying. Well, Hashem, you can't take them to Eretz Yisrael, so therefore you kill them all in the desert. He's begging Hashem, Hashem, please let your power be strong as you spoke, and he says, Hashem erechapayim, prolong, praying to Hashem. Forgive the sin of these people in your great kindness. Hey, no, just as you've carried these people from the tribe of Egypt till here, they've always sinned. What does Hashem say in Pasuk Chof? Hashem solachti chidvarecha. I've forgiven as you have asked. Okay, so what do we see? <clears throat> that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to pray, and they were forgiven. However, God says, my God promises that all these people who saw my glory, they saw my sign, they tested me ten times, they didn't listen to me, if these people, they're not going to see the land, and basically they're going to die in the desert. Okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu with his prayer was able to save all the people. But what happens to the spies? The question is, why could Moshe not protect the spies themselves? They died on that, that very same day. So what does it say? <laughs> and the men that he sent to spy the land, to scout. They, when they came back, so they got the entire community to complain. <laughs> to speak bad about the land. And then it says, These people who said bad about the land, they died in a plague before Hashem. How come Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer did, did not help? Yeah? Okay. He did our house like eight years why could Moshe not protect the spies themselves? He protected everybody. They died on that same very day. 
And the Rebbe explains, if you read the verse, uh, let's look back to the verse for a second. It says over here, Vayalinu alov. You froze. As kol haida. I froze. Okay, still? It says here, they got the whole community to complain against Moshe Rabbeinu. You see, the Rebbe explains, the spies came back with a bad report. And the reason why the Jewish people were afraid, they said, we don't want to go, was because they were afraid. Because they came back with a bad report. So, but their purpose was not to just to find a machlokis, a fight. They didn't pick a fight with Moshe Rabbeinu. They were afraid, yes. They complained, they were worried. But here the verse specifically says, Vayalinu alov. They got the people to complain on Moshe Rabbeinu. They had other intentions. The Rebbe explains, because they picked a fight with Moshe, Moshe could not protect them. We find, if the people sin and they're all sinning against Moshe, against Hashem, they were afraid to go in Eretz Yisrael, but those people, Moshe Rabbeinu can help them. But those people that are actually opposing Moshe Rabbeinu, there is a concept that en kateger saneger, a prosecutor cannot become the defense itself. So, uh, Moshe, Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu, or like we have the halacha, the Rebbe doesn't bring it down, but you have the halacha, that Yom Kippur forgives for everything besides one who doesn't fast on Yom Kippur, doesn't believe in Yom Kippur itself, because you have to at least believe in that in order for that to help you. Or we say that a person doesn't, who doesn't believe in the world to come doesn't get the world to come. If a person fights with Moshe Rabbeinu, then he can't have that same Moshe Rabbeinu later on help them. They become uh, part of the problem. So, and the Rebbe explains that this is actually what the Torah is telling you, that over here, uh, they complained about Moshe Rabbeinu, and therefore, uh, these are the people that uh, died, and Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do anything for them. See, all the people did not want to go to Eretz Yisrael because they were afraid. The spies wanted to fight with Moshe, so he could not help them. There was a fight. So this all explains on the very literal level. But in Hasidus, based on the Kabbalah, there is another dimension to this whole story of the Miraglim. On the simple level, they didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. They were afraid of the people. They were afraid to fight. They wanted to stay in the desert. They wanted to stay protected. But there's also the inner that they were worried of the lifestyle that would be in Eretz Yisrael versus the desert. While in the desert, they could spend all their time with Moshe Rabbeinu, with the Mishkan, with the Torah, without having to worry about uh, any how to make a living, how to plow the land, to, to do all the work that is necessary. The desert was sort of a comfortable life for them, for their spiritual being. They were worried that if they go into the land of Israel, they might actually falter over there. And they wanted to stay in desert because of their spiritual level. The Rebbe explains in this piece, I want to read a little bit of it from the Lakut Torah. The Rebbe explains that what's the purpose of mitzvahs? And what's the purpose of going in Israel to do the mitzvahs in Israel? Because technically mitzvahs, to begin with, are supposed to be done in Israel. That's where the real mitzvahs are are in Israel. Many, many mitzvahs only apply in Israel, like all the agriculture mitzvahs, 
the mitzvahs have to do with the Beis HaMikdash, with the Korbanot, most mitzvahs are actually specifically connected to the land of Israel. The uh, going into Israel means doing mitzvahs on the literal level. And the point here is that one may be able to do mitzvahs on the uh, on the spiritual level cannot do mitzvahs on the may be able to do mitzvahs on the spiritual level but he's not going to accomplish the same accomplishment what there is to do when you do a mitzvah literally not spiritually and the Rebbe asks over there uh, in the Lakuta Torah the Rebbe discusses uh, what is the root of the story of the Miraglim that they want to they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael and they actually degraded it and the Rebbe quotes from the Kabbalah from the Eitz Chaim uh, uh, this is a book authored by Reb Chaim Vital who is a uh, one of the main uh, masters of giving over the teaching of the Arizal so he says that the Miraglim at their level, they come from the level of thought, Machshava, uh, which is also called Leah. Of the two wives of Yaakov, that is, Leah is the level of thought. And um, going into Eretz Yisrael is talking about the level of Dibur, of speech. Uh, speech is called Rachel. That's the words of the Kabbalah. Leia and Rachel. Leia is thought, and speech is Rachel. Thought is higher than speech. Things that come out in speech eventually have their source in thought. So first you think about it, and then you express it, then you speak about it, then you verbalize it. So speech is the second step after machshava. If you think about it, sometimes you want to do mitzvahs in thought. Thought means you're going to think about it. You know, you have, a lot of times, you know, we say people are thinking, you know, they want to make a living, and they're always looking at every book, and every means how to make money, you know, so they're all, they're working from the level of thought, and they don't bring it into action, into actually going ahead, doing something, not just people that go to school forever, they're always studying, but they don't take their studying, what they learned, and they don't bring it down into practical, how to utilize and useful, make it useful in your life. There is the world of thought, and there is the world of speech, which means the practical, coming out in revelation. The Meraglim were in the level of thought. So the Rebbe says, we'll understand the story of the Meraglim, and they argued that it's not necessary to descend into speech, which is, in the Kabbalah, that would be the level of Malchut, of Atzilus, so as to do the Torah mitzvahs in speech and in action, because when you do mitzvahs in speech and action, you break through the barriers from Atzilut to Bria Yitzirah, and you bring the light into this world. So you have the spiritual world, and you bring from the spiritual world into the physical world. So when we do a physical mitzvah, we're breaking through from the spiritual world into the physical world. But they said, no, we can do the mitzvahs, study the Torah, do the mitzvahs spiritually. We don't have to physically do the mitzvahs. We don't have to light the candles, we don't have to put on the tefillin, we don't have to... Because they said that in the world of thought, there is everything that you find later on in speech and action, because speech comes from thought, so it is in thought, 
every mitzvah that you do in speech or action, they said, let's do it in, in, in thought. And this will bring the revelation of the light of Hashem without having to bring it down into the physical world. And they bring an example. We say that Abraham fulfilled all the mitzvahs even before it was given. So, but it's not possible really to say that it fulfilled all the mitzvahs. There were portions of the Torah, there wasn't actually tefillin over there, there wasn't, there wasn't the physical uh, uh, the, the, the parchment and, the, the, and many details were not available at the time. So what does it mean that, Moshe, that Avram did all the mitzvahs? What it really means that he fulfilled them on a spiritual level through which he was able to draw down whatever the benefits you get from a mitzvah, he did it on a spiritual level. So the Meraglim thought, why do we need to do mitzvahs, go to Israel and do the mitzvahs, plow the land, give the tithing, give the truma, bring the karbonas, let's just live in a spiritual world. And they said, we don't, got it. We don't have to go into Eretz Yisrael. But the truth is, they made a big mistake over here. Because the goal is, the main thing is, to do the mitzvahs in the land. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu prayed constantly. He was begging Hashem to go into Eretz Yisrael. So they asked the question, what, why, did he want, why was he dying to go into Eretz Yisrael? Did he want to eat the fruits of Eretz Yisrael? Uh, he wanted to taste them? No. He wanted to go to Eretz Yisrael to fulfill the mitzvahs that hinge on Eretz Yisrael. So, which means, he wanted to draw down these supreme lights so they break through into the land. You cannot draw down these lights only through action and not through thought. You, this powerful light of Hashem, that revelation, cannot come from thought alone. You must bring in an action. And there's a reason for that. The reason is because what comes end in action has been first in thought. The end is tied to the beginning. Every item which is very high and exalted will come down in something which is very low. Give an example. For example, our sages tell us that somebody who is wise, you can explain to him something just by giving him a hint. Making a motion, through a motion you can explain him an idea. What does that mean? Dr. Rebbe explains. If you have something very deep that you cannot explain to them through speech because it's a very deep concept and the letters of the speech cannot contain that idea and it cannot limit your idea into words but yet you can make the other person understand it by giving him a physical hint uh, more than you can explain it to him through words which are spiritual relative to the physical of, 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 of a movement. So you see that a very deep idea can sometimes dress up in an action more than it can dress up in speech. The same thing is above. So to have that profound, supreme light of Hashem, which we call Moichen the God, the mature intellect of that is of the level of Atzilus, for them to break through the, the, the vessels to come down, you cannot get that only through action and not through the level of thought because the end is tied to the beginning and the highest level you can get only through action. That is why Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to go down uh, that's why he desired to go into Israel because he realized that you cannot accomplish it through thought. You must do. You must do, and doing is the uh, uh, is the way to get it. And 
through that, you bring down the level of Ratzin, the level of Chayfetz, as the Rebbe uh, brings it down. Uh, the highest levels can only come down. He calls it the Yerushalayim Shalmaila. The Jerusalem of above can only come down from Yerushalayim Shalmata, from the Jerusalem of below. We need to pray in Yerushalayim, in the Eretz Yisrael, and that's the only way to get it through our physical action. And he goes on to explain further. But what is the lesson, basically, for us that we have to realize that doing asiyah le'ela, that doing is the highest level. Yes, it's important to reflect. It's important to have good intentions. We learned earlier that before the mitzvah, the yasuru, we have to actually sit and... Uh, reflect on the privilege we have to do the mitzvah. That's an important part. That's a lesson for every mitzvah. But yet, if a person will just reflect on the mitzvah and won't do the mitzvah, then he is missing out on the main point of the mitzvah. To be able to draw down and to really bring down the highest level of keser, the crown of creation, the level of sovev, the level that surrounds the world, that cannot come down just through thought, through reflection, through meditation, through thinking about God. That can only come down by doing the mitzvot. Got to actually do the mitzvahs of Hashem in a literal, in a practical way. Then we can earn and we can achieve the goal of the mitzvahs. And that is why we have such strict boundaries and uh, limitations of exactly how the mitzvah is done. Some says, who cares, you know, it'll be like this, it'll be like that. Why are we so concerned? Does God really care if I do this, if I do that? Does it really make a difference to him? And the answer is, we're trying to bring down, it's not just the doing, the action. Every action that we does, do has a tremendous impact on all of creation. It has a tremendous uh, power of arousing, blessing, and extension of uh, Hashem's presence into the world in very profound ways. So therefore, it's not just, it's the action that is connected and brings down tremendous greatness. So yeah, it makes a difference. Because that is the Ratzin Hashem. That becomes Hashem's will. And we need it to be Hashem's will in order to be successful. So just to review that what we talked about today. So we talked about, first of all, uh, what is the message of uh, Shalach? Um, that uh, you know, we have to realize that we have the ability to do so. If Hashem sends us, expects from us, from us to study, for us to do the mitzvahs, it means that we can. Now, it doesn't mean that we should just say we can do it without trying to figure out how to do it. We have to send scouts. We have to look for ways. Natural means because Hashem wants us to work in natural means. But it's not a question. We can't make the mistake like the spies made and say, oh, we can't do it. No. The conclusion is not a question. The conclusion we know we could do it. The question is only we have to find means how it's easiest to help ourselves achieve and go ahead and do the mitzvahs. The second thing we also learned that uh, the, all the mitzvahs that we do is like actually going into Eretz Yisroh. Because just like Israel has a presence of Hashem in it, and it's holy, and it's special, Hashem's eyes are there all the time, Hashem is connected in a more uh, apparent, in a more relevant way, a revealed way, than in other places. Same thing is a mitzvah. Anytime we do a mitzvah, we're sort of bringing Hashem into another mundane aspect. And then we also learned about that it's important 
to reflect before doing the mitzvah, to spy, to go ahead and figure out and realize, appreciate the fact that we have an opportunity to do a mitzvah of Hashem and make a bracha, be thankful, look at it not as a burden, but look at it as a privilege that Hashem has given you to do a mitzvah. We also learned about the fact that it's shlach lecha, Hashem wants us to make some decisions. He doesn't want to tell us everything that you must do so, you must do so. He gives it to you to be able to become your own, your own thing, that these aspects of it, go ahead, make the right decisions on your own. Don't make me tell you every time what you need to do. Own up, make it yours, become an owner, ownership. And then finally we learned also about this spiritual idea why the Meraglim didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael because of the fear of what Israel will do to them on their spiritual level. And also from the Eitz Chaim that we learned that the spies were from the level of Machshove, whereas Israel is from the level of Dibur, which means in spiritual level, uh, they wanted to accomplish all the, the items that we have to do through mitzvahs. They wanted to do it on a spiritual level. They didn't want to get involved in physical. And they believed, just like Avram Avinu did all the Torah and all the mitzvahs, even though he couldn't do everything physically, he did it spiritually. And he was successful. They said, let's do that here. We don't want to go there to Israel. But no. The point is that we have to go there to Israel. The mitzvahs need to be done there to Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu begged Hashem to go there to Israel. Not because he wanted to eat the fruit of Eretz Yisrael. It was because he wanted to do the mitzvahs in Eretz Yisrael. Because, as the Altrebi explained, really accomplish to bringing down the highest of level. The Moichan the Godless, the level of Keser, the highest level, can only come through action, not through the spiritual level. Yes, you can, a certain level you get in the spiritual, as I've explained, notwithstanding the fact that we should have a reflection the spiritual level as well as a preparation, but you must do the mitzvah itself. Because at the end of the day, it's the mitzvah itself. As he brings this, sometimes items can only come down through the physical. The highest is tied to the lowest. And the lowest level of is action, and therefore action can bring out some of the highest level. So that is some of the lessons of today.